Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. If pigs could fly, just imagine the size of the poop on your windshield. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. I'm leaving for Chicago tomorrow, tomorrow. Okay, no more singing. Uh, Reminding you, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show. And on this week's episode of this fine show, uh, we're doing uh, Pipes 101 Revisited. And uh, we'll start going back through those and updating those over the next months or so. But we're going to start off with Pipes 101. Uh, My guest is uh, journeyman pipe smoker Kirk Keener, who many of you may know as uh, Captain Kirk. And uh, I got to talk to him. Uh, Music inspired by him. A big mailbag and rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And before we get started, a big shout out to our own Kevin Godby, who has worked diligently and has got the uh, audio player back up on every episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show all the way back to the very beginning. And as is common with all podcasts or YouTube stuff, uh, just a word of warning when you go back to the beginning and please, you know, be kind. (laughs) Those weren't the best sounding shows, but uh, but they're all there. Yeah, all 554 episodes are on Pipes Magazine, available for you to listen for free anytime you want. Uh, They're also all on iTunes, and uh, you may find most of them on Spotify and Stitcher and stuff like that. So go do that. Check that out. Also, while you are on Pipes Magazine, uh, there is a thread in the uh, forums of uh, Pipe Restorers, free for you if you if you professionally clean pipes and restore pipes uh, you can go into the forums and go to the pipe restoration and or the pipe repair and maintenance and there's a sticky up at the top to list your business for free and uh, help us out there's uh, six of them up there right now so go do that all right and uh, of course many of you are packing and getting ready for chicago more on that coming up in the mailbag so let's get the show rolling everybody sit back relax fire up a bowl thank you all for tuning in and here we go are you looking for that rare or favorite tobacco are you wanting to sell those blends or pipes you no longer fancy then visit tinbids.com, the pipe collector's auction site, and begin your search. Browse our ever-changing selection of fine and elusive luxury tobaccos, pipes and smokers requisites, and bid on items in an exciting auction setting. Visit us at www.tinbids.com and sign up for free today. Tinbids.com, the pipe collector's auction site. A Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe is the perfect pal. Going fishing? Take your corncob pipe and see you back at dark 30. Hunting? Your corncob pipe swears it won't make a pop. Relaxing and reflecting? You add your corncob pipe at relax. Party time? Your corncob pipe doesn't produce a cool smoke for no reason. Let's just say your Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe gets you. Visit www.corncobpipe.com to get yours today. Missouri Meerschaum Company. Authentically original, authentically you. 
And we're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, it's been, uh, God, it's been 10 years since we've really gone through uh, the 101 part. So this is going to be 101 Revisited because we do have a lot of uh, a lot of newer pipe smokers that have started listening to the show. And, uh, you know, instead of going back, you know, it's time to refresh that. Refresh that information and uh, just, you know, for you that are experienced and, yeah, the experts, well, you may learn something new in these. But anyway, here it is. So let's start off with, uh, for Pipe Smoking 101 Revisited, we'll start off with the pipe, and the part of the pipe we're going to start off with is the bowl. And the bowl, in my mind, the bowl refers to the part where we put the tobacco in, but the outside of it. The inside is the tobacco chamber, which we'll talk about in a future one, but the outside of it is the bowl, all right? So it's usually hanging on the end of the pipe, and it can be of different shapes, and sometimes the shape of the bowl will determine the name of the shape of the pipe. So the example that I'll give is like a volcano or a Dublin or a billiard yeah, there's other parts that have to work with that to make that shape. But in several situations, uh, the shape, the outside shape of the bowl determines what the pipe is named. Uh, remember, Dublin is a pipe that gets wider at the top and narrower at the bottom. So if the bowl is wider at the top, narrower at the bottom, odds are it's a Dublin. Turn that over. Make it narrow at the top, wider at the bottom. A lot of people are going to call it a volcano. Uh, same thing with like an apple or a prince. Now, why does uh, you know why do we have so many different shapes of bowls? Well, mainly because we like the you know we like the look of it. But the shape of the bowl also helps with the shape of the tobacco chamber and the size of the pipe. Uh, the outside of the bowl can be rusticated or uh, sandblasted or smooth. Uh, rustication, again, is a process where, the, uh, where the, the exterior of the bowl is scarred up using a device, some sort of a tool to create the carved look or the rusticated look. Um, in most situations, whatever treatment is done to the bowl is going to be done to the shank although you'll see obviously you'll see uh, rule breakers on that uh, then you can have sandblasted which is where a medium is blasted through a compressed air gun and whittles away at the tobacco uh, at the at the briar or at the finish and then there's the smooth and the smooth is exactly what it is it's smooth um, little things that will happen on the bowl. For example, the top part of the bowl is referred to as the rim, and the rim can be smooth or rusticated or sandblasted. Doesn't have to be the same as I'm holding one of my pipes in my hand right now that is sandblasted all the way through, but the rim is nice and smooth and polished. Uh, sometimes you'll see a little chamfer that goes around the inner ring of the rim, and that is to help with tobacco loading and you know help uh, help with tamping. And it's just another little added thing that you'll see a pipe maker or a pipe factory do. Uh, size does matter. 
and size matters because it you know the bigger the pipe the more weight but the bigger the pipe the more tobacco the longer it'll smoke uh, you can have a very small tobacco chamber with a very large bowl and that might be an artistic thing and we would see stuff like that in uh, in a lot of the freehand pipes over the years where you might have you know a, a, a very large pipe and just a standard sized tobacco chamber in it um, you will see over the years uh, pipes that, you know, sometimes you may not be able to figure out where the bowl exactly is, and that's an artistic style. Uh, so, again, the bowl is the exterior end of the pipe where the tobacco goes in, and then in a future 101s revisited, we'll go through the other parts of the pipe in more detail. Uh, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And in just a moment, my conversation with uh, Kirk Keener. This is Internet Radio. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new, innovative series. Savinelli produces high-quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. Well, we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is another one of those, uh, I'm, I'm calling you guys the journeyman pipe smokers, the ones who have got past the uh, past the apprentice stage, past all the torture of tongue bite, and uh, but yet you're not old enough yet. So, uh, Kirk Keener, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Well, thanks for having me. I've been kind of dreaming about ever or always being on the Pipes Magazine show ever since I started listening. Well, well, let me just tell you, have higher hopes and aspirations and dreams <laughs> in your life. Um, you're actually using a microphone that I own. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's sitting over there. I can see it from here. I'm looking at you and going, wait, he's talking into the guest microphone. That's like really cool. <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, so let's get to know you. Where'd you grow up? When did you grow up? Did you grow up? What did you want to be when you grew up? Has it happened? Um, I'm, I grew up in a small town of Indiana. Uh, still live in a small town, not the same one, but now we live uh, more with my where my family or my wife's family lives. Um, yeah, really, still kind of figuring out the whole growing up things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, in between jobs right now. I've been a machinist uh, for most of my adult life, I guess. So the, the, the little town in Indiana, does it have like little pink houses and everybody's named Jack and Diane? <laughs> Not quite, but pretty close, I bet. Uh, how does somebody in a, in a little town get into pipe smoking? Because you, you probably don't have a full service pipe and tobacco shop near you. Not in, in the actual town that I was in. Um, there's, you know, the surrounding cities had some, um, Regal's pipe and tobacco in Fort Wayne. Um, that's where I'd hung out a lot starting out. Um, my best friend I met, uh, 
at a coffee shop um, that I used to go to all the time in, when I was in high school. And uh, I went. I would go there to do homework and stuff like that. And so I wasn't even 18 yet. I was still 17. And I walk in and I, I meet this guy that started working there. And uh, he's a real big guy. You could, couldn't, you know, can't really miss him. <laughs> we started talking about music. And uh, found out we were listening, listening to a lot of the same bands and same kind of music and stuff. And uh, so he had invited me over to his house to hang out and listen to music. And um, he was kind of just starting to, he was a younger guy. I mean, he's older than me, but he had like just started like a small, young family. But uh, he invited me over. We're hang, hanging out, listening to music. And uh, he pulled out a pipe and started smoking a pipe. And I, it, my great grandpa smoked a pipe. So I, that's the only person i ever saw smoking a pipe it you know maybe in maybe movies but and it just like kind of shocked me i'm like i haven't seen anyone smoke a pipe since my great grandpa smoked a pipe and he was like kind of tell me about it he's like well you want to try it and in high school i was a part of this like anti-smoking club or something like that <laughs> oh no so, <laughs> so i was like he's explaining to me you know just how how it's so much different than you know smoking cigarettes and stuff like that and so he taught me how to how to pack and how to light it and everything, and I really enjoyed it. I was yeah, I think I was seventeen, and I was like, man, I'm gonna when I turn eighteen, I'm gonna go, you know, buy a pipe. And so I I, I come of age and I go and buy uh my first pipe was a uh, a Dr. Grabo off the shelf at Walgreens, and then I went to a um a cigar shop and got a couple blends from their uh, bulk. Like it was like called tropical something. I can't even remember what it was called, but but yeah, that's uh kind of where I started. So let's go back. What what year is this high school anti smoking club that you were the uh, that you were a member of? <laughs> two thousand and seven, two thousand eight. Okay, so that's a that's a real popular time for a push to try to keep kids from the evils of the tobacco monster. Um, now we're just trying to keep kids from the evils of crack and fentanyl and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it, so I would imagine it was a bit of an eye opener for you to see that tobacco can be enjoyed occasionally without becoming this massively addictive evil monster on your back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause like when I was like in these, did these like meetings and stuff like we it was mainly it was mainly all about like cigarette smoking i mean i don't think anyone ever brought up cigars or pipes and it was more like we'd go around and like clean up cigarette butts that were thrown on you know public places and stuff like that but and and tell all your friends don't smoke cigarettes (laughs) yeah um no it's uh, it's about the same time you're doing that you know, my son is in uh, high school and, you know, getting told that tobacco is evil and stuff like that. And so, okay. <laughs> Apparently they lost one member of the tobacco's evil club. So <laughs> welcome to the dark side. Um, so did, did pipe smoking automatically click for you or was it something that took a little bit of time? Did you stumble, fall, but you had an advisor at least, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, then I almost never wanted to do it by myself. I always wanted to 
So I always wanted to go hang out with him. And, uh, well, he, he had probably, you know, the better tobacco too. <laughs> so we, we'd, uh, but I'd go, I'd always find out if when he could hang out and stuff. And so we could, so I could, we could smoke. And eventually I started doing it, you know, kind of on my own, just while driving or just going to a, a shop or find a bench somewhere in a park or something. But, um, but yeah, I remember always trying to learn how to pack and light and different techniques I was trying. I think one day I finally just, I just didn't, uh, pay attention to it too much. I just did it mm-hmm. and ended up, you know, being able to smoke without any relights and, and, um, so that's why I tell people to kind of not, uh, when I get, like, I have a friend that, um, gets into pipe smoking, I just kind of tell them to don't try not to overthink it, I guess. Just, just, uh, just load some tobacco in a pipe and light it. And <laughs> that's, how, that's always, always worked for me. <laughs> see how it goes. Uh, did you bounce around through the different styles of tobaccos? And- um, yeah, I, I was yeah I was really in, into like aromatics definitely for probably the first year or two maybe and then I had heard about um Latakia and uh I think I bought like a I don't even remember what it was it was like a pouch at the cigar shop that I went to and um it's called Angelina Cigars in Warsaw um not Poland Indiana they, yeah we are Warsaw Indiana yeah. we we got one of those over here too um, they had a, there's mainly just, um, more of a cigar shop. They had a few, they have the same CAO Meerschaum pipe that's been there for probably 20 years that no one's bought <laughs> because it's like super overpriced, but, um, and like, you know, corn cobs and just some bulk stuff. Uh, they had a pouch of, I don't know what it was called. It was called English something or another. And so I bought that to kind of experience what Latakia tasted like and, um, Definitely wasn't a huge fan when I first tried it. It was definitely something I'd probably needed to, I don't know, try a few different kinds of styles of blends, maybe with Latakia. But um, yeah, then I discovered, uh, you know, smokingpipes.com and pipesandcigars.com and just kind of browsing through there, all these different tobaccos to, that I, I couldn't believe how much, how many different uh, types of tobacco there was. So was it kind of, was it overwhelming for you at first and, with, you know, when you all of a sudden you see all these online listings after going to a, to a shop that's got one CAO Meerschaum in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was pretty a little overwhelming, just kind of um, because yeah, I didn't know what to try. I just started just picking stuff that maybe sounded good or, or had a good review. Um, I do remember going to Regal's in Fort Wayne and uh, I'd always go in there and buy buy a cigar for later but i would smoke my pipe and hang out and uh the there's a couple of different locations so the one that i would always go to i enjoyed hanging out there with the shop owners or the managers or i'm not sure how it works there but, but yeah they would kind of tell me what cause they it was when mcclellan was still they had, they had quite a bit of mcclellan still yeah. on their shelves and so that kind of was kind of going into the mcclellan tobaccos and trying different ones like that um Started smoking uh, Virginias, which was really weird for me too. I didn't. Um, I definitely appreciate Virginias a lot more now than when I first started smoking those, just because you got to kind of work on like your cadence and you don't want to smoke them too fast and you get kind of bit or 
much more enjoyable when you kind of just sip on them, I guess. All right, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll have uh, more with uh, Jack and Diane's son, Kirk. I, I'm, <laughs> I'll stop with that, I promise. But uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell & Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with journeyman pipe smoker Kirk Keener. All right, Kirk, I'm interested. Um, so you so you come out of you know you start off with the with the aromatics, and then you get to these Virginia things. Are you a little? Uh, I mean, are you a little kind of in, in a mystery of you know like where's the flavor and what's the big deal about this stuff or? And what was that? What was that transitional period? Because aromatics have a big have a big forward flavor, and then you go to Englishes, and there's a big forward flavor, uh, and then Virginias sometimes can be hot air. Yeah, um, I think that's kind of what I experienced for the most part. Because I think one of the first Virginia blends I had tried was uh, or the Golden Sliced, which was is a favorite of mine now. But yeah, it kind of. Oh, I could taste, I mean, I could taste stuff. It was more like, yeah, tasting hay or straw or something like that, grass. And I just didn't really, I guess, understand it at first just because, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, now when I smoke a new tobacco, I smoke a, a good amount of bulls before deciding if I like it or not. But, and uh, I smoked Aaron Morph mixture. That was another kind of, and that has more of a topping too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, I guess I kind of understood that one more when it came to Virginia's cause I could, I could taste, I, I can't remember what kind of topping is on that. It's been so long since I've had that, but I remember there was kind of, there's some kind of topping on the air and more. Yeah. It's almost like pineapple juice or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something that you cannot get out of a pipe ever. Once you've smoked a lot of air and more in a, mm-hmm. uh, all right. How did your, um, how did your pipe preference kind of change over time um honestly i'm really uh i mean my pipe collection is all kinds of different shapes and sizes i've i'm really not picky when it comes to pipes if i if i like how it looks i'll normally uh, snag it um Mm -hmm. but there's you know i've had a few pipes that i just didn't care for after i had smoked them and I have a few of them still, but usually I would maybe pass them on to friends or something or give them away or sell them or something. But, um, 
so nobody's none none of your family's watching or listening um how many pipes do you own now i want to say at least 70 pretty close and they're just all sizes shapes colors yeah yeah i have yeah uh big assortment of um uh missouri meershams a few different kinds of regular block meersham different uh you know lattice kind of styles or uh, even like the face carvings um a few different artisan carvers a lot of dr grabos <laughs> um it was kind of cool when i first uh i mean I, I had hidden pipe smoking from my parents when i first started because i mean i was of age but i just didn't know how they would feel about it <laughs> and i remember i remember when my mom the day my mom found out was um because I kept, I had a, a, a small cigar box that I kept a couple pipes and a couple bags of tobacco in when I first started. And I kept that cigar box under my seat in my car. And uh, I was living at home, working third shift, right out of high school. And um, she had woke me up asking if she was looking for something. And I was like, oh, it's in my car and on the seat or whatever. And I don't know if she was just getting nosy or what, but she had found my cigar box <laughs> and she, she asked me what it is. She's like, cause then I had actually came out to the car because I was like thinking like, Oh no, she's probably gonna find my cigar box. And, uh, sure enough she did. And I was, she's like, well, what's this? And I was telling her, I was like, it's a pipe and tobacco. And she's like, well, how's this different from cigarettes? And I was like, I mean, it's a lot different. I kind of explained it to her, like, you know, the dumb, dumbed down version, I guess. And, she was like, well, I'm not going to say anything to your dad because I don't know how he'd feel about it. <laughs> but uh, I got my own place and I had a, a small pipe rack on my bookshelf and my pipes out and stuff. And they came over to visit. And I think that's when my my dad kind of saw my pipes. And then um, he thought it was pretty cool, I think, because I mean, for Christmas, I remember getting they, they do a lot of antiquing because the small town that we lived in was a big antique town. And so my parents would go they go to shops looking for certain things and they'd come across a bunch of different pipes. And uh, I remember for Christmas getting uh, like a whole lot of uh, different Grabos that they had picked up for me. And um, I remember he, he even got a big church warden that he saw at an antique shop that he uh, put my stocking for me. And it was pretty cool. I, I'm just surprised she didn't come back after looking in your, in your car and finding that and going, Kirk, are you on the marijuana? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what she thought when she saw pipes, but <laughs> Yeah. And uh and do you recommend um keeping pipes and tobaccos in a box under under your seat in the weather of Indiana cuz it's um, cold and hot and nothing in between? Yeah, no not really. Not when I think about it now, <laughs> I was like, man, what did I even what was I even thinking but I mean, I know um Yeah, cuz I remember it was like summertime when I had kept it <laughs> under the uh under the seat. So the the tobacco probably got you know was probably super uh, super just moist when it, when that opened. I remember it was kind of, and I didn't I didn't know about drying out or anything like that when it came to tobacco. I just kind of stuffed it in there and and went. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. How often are you how how often are you smoking a pipe nowadays? How many times I a week? Month. I smoke at least once or twice a day, depending on what I got going on. Um, I have about an hour commute to work. So I get a good 
a good pipe in on the way to work and on, on the way home. And then I usually like to uh, smoke right before bed with a drink or something. So it's kind of it. It it's a uh, partner while you're uh, while you're passing time going down the highway, and then mm-hmm, yep. and then it tucks you in bed at night. Yep. Um, uh, let's talk about music for a minute, because uh, you've in the past you've sent me some uh, some eclectic music suggestions, <laughs> and uh, so you've got. And and I and I appreciate it because you're you're an you've got an eclectic taste in music too. Where'd that come from? I mean, that's small town Indiana, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, gosh, I don't know because I mean, I, I mean, I grew up. My mom listened to country and contemporary Christian music, and uh, my dad he really didn't. You know, he just listened to whatever my mom listened to, probably. But um, and I I started I played learned how to play guitar in high school and was in a few different bands and I just started listening to like really heavy, like hardcore stuff and uh, started playing in like punk and hardcore bands and just going to, there's a big kind of like the Pike community. There's a big or a larger, um, a larger hardcore music scene, like small community kind of thing. Like we um, like throw throw shows in the basements of houses and out in the garage in the middle of a cornfield, you know, in, in Indiana. And it's just always a literally good time. We just kind of hang out. Everyone supports everybody with, with music and stuff. And that's kind of where I, and then, but I mean, I also listen to like even stuff that's not very heavy, like I guess a lot of like underground country stuff mm-hmm. and everything else. But so it's kind of like pipe smoking where you got into the stuff that was kind of full flavored and straightforward. And then you started discovering things that were a little more complex and less straightforward in their, uh, in their delivery. Yeah. Are you, are you still playing or? Um, not as much as I'd like to. So I have, uh, two younger kids and got two under four or two under five. <laughs> um, and then I have an older, older kid too that she, you know, she does her own thing, but, um, so yeah, it's, I have a lot of friends been hitting me up lately. Like, you know, Hey, we should get together and jam or something. And I'm just trying to, you know, find the time to kind of juggle and around that stuff. And so it's the, it's the classic Jimmy quit. Jody got married. Yep. <laughs> Life goes on. Um, uh, Wait, I'm going back to John Cougar. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, so what's kind of your, uh, uh, what right now is your holy grail of pipes? What What's the one that, what what's the Moby Dick that you're looking for? The white whale? Um. So this year I kind of decided I was going to maybe work on maybe getting a few other artisan pipes. Um, one pipe that I've always have been kind of wanting was a uh, a Walt Canoy Suede Blast. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just when I first saw those at Chicago, I and I was kind of like just I don't know. I was so surprised on how he got that that finish, and I don't think he really tells anybody else how he mm-hmm. gets it. And it's just super. I mean, it just I mean, it looks very soft <laughs> when you yeah. want when you touch it, and it's just. Kind of blows my mind. I've always kind of wanted a suede blast. So that's kind of 
kind of something I've always kind of wanted. I smoking a walking away right now that I was able to get on the, you know, estate market. But, uh, yeah, I'd say probably a walking away suede blast. <laughs> yeah. So and you're also, you're not afraid of estate pipes. You're, you're mm-hmm. not afraid of used pipes, those evil things that some people think, which is fine. I, Hey, I like the people that are afraid of them cause there's more for me. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that you have a bunch of meerschaums and do you, will you smoke the same tobacco in a meerschaum and a briar and kind of compare the difference? And have you gotten so detailed now that you have tobaccos that you like that are specific to meerschaum and, and briar? Um, yeah, I really enjoy, um, so I, I have a YouTube channel that I, I post pretty regularly on and I'll do different um, tobacco reviews and stuff. And yeah, there are some tobaccos that I'll smoke that um, I'll smoke. I'll smoke uh, tobacco in every pipe if it's new. And uh, like I've, I found out that I love Burley's a lot more in corn cobs. Mm-hmm. Um, recently I smoked uh, Windjammer by GLPs for the first time and I smoked it. I smoked it in a clay and a meerschaum and a briar and I found out briar is probably my favorite for that one. Um, I smoked it. The thing my first smoke with that was actually in a meerschaum and I really didn't enjoy it that much. It was, uh, I don't know, really tasted kind of ashy. didn't really have a whole lot of flavor, but in a briar, I don't know if it's maybe my briars are more seasoned than my, so maybe, I don't know. It, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that in, in a couple different briar pipes. That I mean, that's interesting because you can, you know, you may find out that there's no absolute reason why a certain blend works well in one style versus the other. It's just sometimes they do. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've got my uh, summertime morning Virginias that work well in a couple of pipes and then the rest of the year I can't smoke them. So, yeah, can't tell you why. Wish I could. Uh, I know haunted, haunted bookshop was like that for me too. I didn't. It, uh, I smoked it out of a. Or one of my first pipes was a K Woody, and I, had, I smoked uh, smoked haunted bookshop out of it, and I I didn't like. I don't think I finished the pipe, and then I went to go pack something else in the same pipe, and all I could taste was the haunted bookshop. <laughs> and I was like, okay, <laughs> I think that's that's why it's called that. And I tried it again in a corn cob, and it was were very enjoyable. I really liked it a lot. So that's kind of when I discovered that Burley's for me tastes a lot better in a corn cob. What else keeps you busy besides a young family work and uh, pipe smoking? Um, I mean, with a young family, that's about it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I've been, yeah, I mean, I, I like to, I like about everything when it comes to like entertainment, um, movies, books, and, video games every once in a while. Um, yeah, yeah, that's really about it. Just, uh, I, I'm pretty, pretty big into the YouTube community and the other online communities. So I spend a lot of time hanging out, um, on video calls with those guys and we do uh <laughs> Friday nights or Saturday nights sometimes and just kind of hang out and, which is kind of, it's, I, I really, I miss, hanging out with I mean we have like a local club and stuff that we get together a lot um but not as often as we'd like to probably 
And so like the whole online thing is really, really, you know, has been a big part of like just my everyday life yeah. now. I just, I, I wake up, I check messages on whatever forums and talk about pipes and tobacco and different stuff like that. Get up, go to work. Uh, what's the name of the YouTube channel for everybody? Um, it's just Captain underscore Kirk 32. K-I-R-K, for those that don't know how to spell Kirk. Cap Captain with a K. Yeah. Oh, Captain with a K. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, do you have a guy with a red shirt that hangs out with you that automatically dies in every episode? No. <laughs> sorry. Old Star Trek reference there. <laughs> All right, Kirk, as part of coming on here, I offered you the opportunity to ask a couple of questions of me, so... Fire away. I'm an open book and it's a cheap read. Um, so I got one pipe related and one non pipe related. Um, how many pipes do you have? My collection is divided in two. Um, half of them are the, there's the Disney collection, which I only smoke one or two of them on a regular basis, but there's, um, 60, 64, 65 briars. And, uh, you know, 64, 65 smokable pipes. Um, and then the rest of them are the ones that I actually smoke, which are, you know, my, my real smoking rotation. And I think I'm right around 90 now. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> that's the, that's the collection that I thought at one point, you know, if it ever got above 48, I'd be going crazy. And then all of a sudden <laughs> it was like, well, now. Let's see, I got a bigger cabinet, um, but yes, I think in total, probably somewhere a little bit over 150, and then I've got probably two dozen Missouri Meershams that I use for taste testing, sampling, and uh, giving away to people. Would it be a lot bigger if you, like, did, I'm guessing you probably had some pipes that you might have parted with. Would it be quite a bit bigger from pipes that you've had in the past? Yeah, yeah, because I do a I, I do a, an annual or semi annual um, re a curating of the smoking part of the collection. Um, the Disney pipes, I buy them and I keep them. I don't care what condition they're in. I, I, you know, and again, I only smoke one or two of them on a regular basis. The other part of the collection gets curated for. You know, why do I have it? Um, I bought it. Why am I not, why am I not smoking it that often? Uh, and if a, if it's something that just doesn't work for me, then it gets moved on. Mm. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not at a point where I want to have every pipe I ever owned because yep. at some point that just becomes you know, they they just become decorations on a shelf. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that answered your question. Yeah. And then your favorite Disney movie. Oh, Fantasia. The original one from oh, okay. 1940. Uh, and it was the first, really the first music video. If you think of it, it was the first time artists ever put film that just had no story. It was just the artist interpretation of what the music was doing. Yeah. Um, 
sure there's a little bit of stories written in behind the music and then the art and then the animators got to take their interpretations of it but it was so groundbreaking uh that it was just you know it, it was just bizarrely weird and people didn't really appreciate it until they realized wait a second <laughs> it's really good uh, it was also the first time it was a uh a film was recorded in stereo. Okay. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So 1940. Cool. As I'm huh. staring at a piece of uh, artwork based off of the Sorcerer's Apprentice segment of Fantasia. <laughs> uh, it's also every... When you look at film and you look at movie, any kind of movie, there's basically three or four different plot lines and stories. And Disney always took somebody else's story and did an interpretation of it. Until you get to The Lion King, which was a completely reinterpreted version of Hamlet. Um, you know, with cute animals and a, yeah. you know, and a singing dodo bird and a and a <laughs> you know, a warthog with gas. Um, <laughs> but Fantasia was just a complete original concept. So sit down with a pipe, plug it in, and just stare at it and think it's the first rock video. Yeah. It's been years since I've watched it, so I'd have to, might have to do that soon. Yeah. Kirk, we will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? What is your favorite pipe? Um, it's a Molina volcano shape. Um, it was like an unfinished, kind of like a Mo uh, Morgan Bones. And uh, so it colored really nicely, but that's probably one of my favorite pipes. And what is your favorite tobacco? Um, McBaron Clubland. Ooh. Uh, what is your favorite drink? Um... Coffee, beer, and bourbon. <laughs> In that order. <laughs> the three basic food groups. <laughs> when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Here lately, a book. And then finally, what is? do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? Can I do a couple? Sure. <laughs> so one of my favorite memories is um, the first time I went to the Chicago Pipe Show. And walking in for the first time and seeing just everybody in the showroom walk around at all the pipes and tobaccos and just, I was kind of, I was just mind blown. I was the first time I ever experienced something that big with pipe smoking. Like I had no idea there was such a big group of people that still smoked pipes and cigars and stuff. And, and, um, and then walking into the, the tent <laughs> and just seeing everybody just hanging out smoking and there's smoke everywhere. And yeah, that was just probably, you know, I'll, I'll remember that for the rest of my life, probably just hanging out, uh, picking a table and just, you know, meeting a few people just never even talked to before and just hanging out, talking about pipes and, and tobacco and stuff. And then, um, my, my friend Ryan that I've mentioned a couple of times, uh, just hanging out with, with him. Um, I'd go over, late night sometimes and we'd hang out till probably five, six in the morning smoking pipes, 
uh, having a few drinks and just just talking and just about everything, just life and and stuff like that. So that was always a good memory. The YouTube channel is Captain with a K, Kirk with two Ks. Kirk Keener, thank you very much for coming on and doing this, and uh, and yeah, keep doing it, and uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, now probably underneath your seats in your truck is you know sippy cups and Cheerios and stuff, <laughs> but please don't keep your pipes and tobaccos there anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. We'll be back in just a minute. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years, and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Miele 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Do take a chance, you know, take a minute and check out uh, Kirk's uh, YouTube channel. And for music, we have a piece of music suggested by Kirk. It's from his friend Ryan Kerr. And uh, this one is called A Ghost As I Wait. And listen closely for a reference or two. It's from. Uh, Ryan's album Live Well from 2016, which is, uh, you can listen to it right now on Spotify. So here's Ryan Kerr. I'll let the sun bake the back of my neck as I wait. I take a draw from my English Pipe tobacco blend as I wait I watch the shadows On the blinds Of the house just down the lane And the family that once was mine as I wait I try to clench the memories with someone forgiving hands as I wait They slip through my fingertips like a
And you can find Ryan by searching Ryan, R-Y-A-N, Kerr, K-E-R-R. Whole album full of stuff. Two albums, in fact. And uh, thanks to uh, Kirk for turning me on to that. You've got mail. And remember, if you have a mailbag comment or question, you can email it to me, Brian, at PipesMagazine.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at PipesMagazine.com. Or you could post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page, just like Dino does every week. And this week, going back to last week's show, Dino says, I, too, keep my tinned tobacco in its original container and use Bovita packs when I've opened the tin. I love the smell of the paper liners, both fresh and aged. Uh, Paul was a delightful guest with a fun backstory. Your chat was engaging and truly interesting. His pipes are quite lovely, and his novel approach to standard shapes is refreshingly artistic. Uh, Dino says, I'm a big fan of Funky Albert King. As usual, the tune was awash with great blues licks and solos backed by a terrific ensemble. Yes, pipe smoking is more than a solitary pursuit. It is most definitely a communal activity steeped in conviviality and camaraderie. Thanks, Dino, for putting those big words in there just on purpose to try to trip me up. It worked. And then Dino says, thanks for an always entertaining show. Papuli Dino. Yeah, and you'll see Papuli sitting at the registration table uh, at the Chicago Pipe Show this weekend. So make sure and say hi to him. Uh, Speaking of Chicago, uh, Spike writes, uh, Brian, another fine show as usual. Since you mentioned the Chicago show, I thought I'd let you and the audience know that I've been in the Chicago suburbs since last Thursday, visiting family and friends, and the weather variations have been all over the place. Temperatures in the upper 70s one day, lower 30s the next night. Since last Thursday, there have been tornado warnings, hail, and snow flurries. All this to recommend to those attending to pack for warm and cold temperatures. Better yet, just spend all your time on the show floor in the smoking tent where it's always pleasant. Uh, Mrs. Spike is flying to O'Hare Thursday, and I'll meet her at the Marriott. She's looking forward to seeing you, maybe even more than seeing me. Yeah, Spike. (laughs) Thanks, Spike. Yeah, it's a good reminder. Um, This time of the year in Chicago, the weather can be uh, up and down. And uh, as I've always said in the past, if you travel, pack in layers because it's a whole lot easier to run back to your hotel and get a sweatshirt or a sweater or another long sleeve shirt or a jacket than it is to go down the street to a Walmart and buy one. Uh, And then going back to uh, last week's show, uh, Captain Kirk, our guest, says, uh, great show as always. I gave Paul a follow on Instagram. Stunning pipes. Hard to believe he's only been at it for a few years. Couldn't agree with you more on pipe smokers being social. I'm in different Facebook groups and discords and love talking with others throughout the day about what we're smoking. I appreciate the tribute to Mike at the end. He was the best of us. See you in Chicago. Yeah, Mike was just a sweet guy. Uh, And then uh, James says, piping OCD and... (laughs) It's from Piping OCD and Sack. Uh, Brian, I enjoyed listening to your podcast with Paul Lucas and getting to know another pipe maker that I was not familiar with previously. I'm now following him on Instagram, and he makes amazing pipes. I was hoping he was going to mention what tobacco he started with that was giving him the awful tongue bite. 
I appreciated your insights on paper lining of the tin. I was hoping I could add on to that discussion. Uh, more so in recent years, I found myself emptying the tin into a jar as soon as I open it. I've found that the tins manufactured recently are starting to rust much sooner than tins that I had 10 or 20 years ago. Have you heard of any manufacturers changing the metals or processes for making tins? Thanks for all you do. Thanks for fixing my screw up with the Las Vegas International Pipe Show and dinner tickets. October can't get here soon enough, James. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Happy to fix, you know, whatever. We're, we just, you know, don't want anybody overpaying for stuff. Uh, regarding what Paul's, uh, what Paul, what bit Paul's tongue, send him a message on Instagram. And I do know that there has been some changes in manufacturing. Uh, there was a manufacturer that went out of business or, you know, stopped supplying. So they had to move manufacturers. So that's all I know. Uh, could be just a change in process too. Uh, Rich says, going back to last week's show, uh, Brian, as always, the show is informative and entertaining. Artisan Paul was an interesting bloke. This made me think a lot about the concept of commissioning a pipe. I would think, as Paul does, that this could prove paralyzing to an artisan like Paul who lets the hunk of briar dictate the outcome of the pipe. Your analogy to Monet was spot on. I liked his approach to sending him a note uh, about attributes that a client desires and then letting the artisan suggestively match uh, you with one of his or her creations. Yeah, that's been my advice. Uh, as for your music selections, I love the variety. Uh, the King tune was great and had me picking up my puffing cadence in time with the tune. By the way, I was smoking an artisan twisted and bent billiard from J.M. Boswell filled with some My Mixture 965. Being relatively new to the hobby, my bowl lasted down to the ash for the length of the podcast with no relights. I guess I'm doing something right. Yeah, you are. Uh, your rant, not rant on pipe smokers and solitude was spot on. I'm wound pretty tight, so pipe smoking is an absolute stress release for me. Even still, I thoroughly enjoy the balance of listening and learning while puffing away my stress. Rarely do I sit alone and stare out into oblivion while smoking. Uh, the evening smoke is an extra is extra special because I was puffing in I was puffing in wait for my first puffing and waiting for my first granddaughter to enter the world. Hopefully, for my daughter's sake, all her work will be done by the morning, and we are positioned five minutes away from the hospital. I hope to run into you and many others at the Chicago show. I will be a lone ranger there, so I will take you up on your offer for a chat and possibly share some puffing time with you there. Keep up the good work. Regards, Rich. Rich, it'll be fun to see you. Uh, and I'll have to introduce you to Shane Ireland and see if you two are related. And then uh, Bryant Malone writes, uh, Hi, Brian. Another great show as always. Your explanation of the various papers in tobacco tins was enlightening. I now have a greater understanding and appreciation of those handy little things. Paul Lucas was a very interesting guest. His pipes have always interested me, and his backstory did as well. I applaud him for sticking to his artistic values and not speeding up production to satisfy the masses. Definitely something a skater would do. Uh, Albert King is a can't-miss choice for music, and this piece was certainly no exception. I appreciate your choices for their uh, variety and relation to the guests at times. 
but a surefire classic is always welcome too. Thanks again. Keep up the good work. I look forward to hearing your report from Chicago. Best regards, Bryant. Yeah, report from Chicago next week. And then uh, lastly, Bo writes, Hi, Brian. I'm 65 years old and inherited a box of about 50 vintage, vintage pipes about two years ago. They sat around for a couple of months until I decided to give them a try. I am now honored and proud to be part of this community we love. Several of those pipes were very old K Woodies. My collection has grown a lot since then, and my, and my wife says too much. Uh, I have a few Petersons, Savinelli's, Barracinis, etc., but some of my favorites are those K Woodies. Uh, John David said the pipes with a stinger are rubbish. I welcome your thoughts. Always, also, I really enjoy your podcast, the diversity of your guest music, and the rants. Thank you, Bo. All right, Bo. Uh, so the pipe, the K Woodies, keep in mind, K Woodies in the 1950s actually sold for a higher price than Dunhill did. Uh, the K Woodies aren't rubbish. The Stinger is an outdated mode of blocking moisture and stopping tobacco from coming up the stem. So if you want them to smoke really good, uh, just get a pair of pliers, gently pull that stinger out and use a pipe cleaner during the bowl like I do. And that pipe will smoke really well. Uh, you may have to, the stem work wasn't the best back then, but you know, you'll get the idea. But yeah, that stinger was just a thing in the way sometimes. All right. Comments, questions, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. And in just a moment, rant time. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through smokingpipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then, we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. Screw them. That's what I say. Screw them. I wanted to use a different word, maybe one letter shorter than that, but, uh, you know, shorter than screw, but screw them. That's what I say. Uh, the Cedar Fair Company, which owns Knott's Berry Farm and uh, King's Dominion and King's, uh, you know, a bunch of the amusement parks around the plate around here, including the one near me, Carowinds, uh, has gone smoke-free. Smoke-free inside the park. So screw them. 
screw them and keep writing them letters. And the reason I mention this again is because the only way we get our voices heard is by sending them emails, sending them tweets, sending them letters and saying, screw them. We're not going there, not going there at all. I always tell them in the email that, you know, the same thing with the stupid Walt Disney company and their dumb, big, fancy parks. Uh, you know what? If you can't provide a place for me in the middle of my day to sit down with my pipe and relax for a half hour or 45 minutes that's in some shade or you know, inside the park somewhere nice, I'm not going there. I'm not going there, so screw them. Same thing with Cedar Fair. Same thing with SeaWorld. Can't provide a spot for me? Well, screw you too. I'm not going there. Uh, Starbucks, you know what? Starbucks is a necessary evil. I will not hang out there. I will just grab a simple cup of coffee and get on the go. And I still will not buy a cookie from them. So screw them too. That's the only way you get these companies to understand are these places that do these voluntary smoking restrictions. The only way you get them to understand is by affecting their bottom dollar and by sending them emails, sending them tweets, sending them, you know what, sit down, type up a letter, put a 50 cent stamp on it or whatever a stamp costs nowadays and send the letter in the mail and just say, screw them. We're not coming there anymore because we enjoy a pipe. We enjoy pipe tobacco and we want some space to enjoy that or we're not coming back. Screw you signed affectionately, uh, eloquent pipe smoker. Ha. There you go. All right. Comments, questions, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, do seriously send those letters, please, please, please. Seriously. Uh, looking forward to seeing a lot of you starting tomorrow when I arrive in Chicago and uh, reporting back to those that didn't make it, uh, you know, next week. Uh, Vegas Pipe Show information is on Vegas. Las Vegas International Pipe Show information is on VegasPipeShow.com. Go register now. Remember, if you book your room and your show admission stuff before July 1st, you get entered for a chance to win three nights in the hotel that weekend. Yeah, a three-night credit that weekend. So that means more money to spend on pipes and tobaccos. Uh, again, stop me in the aisle this week if you see me. Say hi. Would much appreciate it. Thank you very much to Kirk for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather was it authentic frontier gibberish. It expressed a courage little seen in this day and age. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah.